Welcome to the Ignatius Press Podcast. I'm Mark Brumley. I hope you enjoy the discussion in this episode. For more information about Ignatius Press, check out our website at ignatius.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our Facebook Live interview with Kendra Tierney. My name is Rose Trabick, and I'm the publicist for Ignatius Press. And I am thrilled to be here with Kendra today and also her daughter, Barbara, who's here with us. (laughs) Um, Kendra is a wife. She's a mom of 10 children from teenagers all the way down to little ones. She comes to us from California and she is the author of two previous Ignatius Press books, a little book about confession for children and the best-selling The Catholic All-Year Compendium, Liturgical Living for Real Life. Today, we're going to be talking about her brand new book, which I'm so excited about, The Catholic All Year Prayer Companion, The Liturgical Year in Practice. Kendra. <laughs> so you have your copy there, too. Welcome, Kendra. Thanks. So great to get to talk to you today. Yes. Well, I am absolutely so excited about this book. I had a chance to go through it last week. There is so much here, and I think many people that are watching this probably have your first book, The Catholic All-Year Compendium. So the natural question is, what is the difference between the book, The Catholic All-Year Compendium, and this new book, The Catholic All-Year Prayer Companion? So they they really are, they're, they're kind of the same book. It's just that, you know, uh, that it's just so much information um, that that we ended up taking most of uh, taking almost everything that's in the prayer companion. Um, every, almost everything that's in the prayer companion could have been, you know, filed under. Okay, off you go. Walk out. And this is real life, right? Um, <laughs> um, that uh, that everything that uh, that is in the prayer companion is based on feasts that I talk about in the um, in the compendium. And I make the recommendations like read this Bibles, um, this, you know, this uh, scripture, these scripture verses say this particular prayer. Um, and the prayer companion has all of that in here so that you don't have to go look around for it, especially, you know, trying to find things on your phone, which is what we have done for a long time, or I've got this stack of prayer books that I like. And, and so I'll try to, you know, find where I want the thing or look it up on my phone in the translation that I want. And, um, so now it's all together in one place and it makes it so much easier. I mean, everything I write is really just stuff I want to exist in the world. So this is for me and I hope you guys like it too. Yes, it's so convenient. And as we go through the interview, we'll talk more about that. But so I think I'm hearing you say like, they're two different books, but they're definitely, they're meant to be used together. Well, they are. There's no reason that you couldn't use the prayer companion on its own. If you're not somebody who cares a lot about like backstory and history of how feasts came to be. I love that stuff. I find it really interesting. And like the weird legends that are associated with different saints. I love that stuff. But if, if you're just looking, especially, you know, if, if you're not doing these things with kids at home, maybe, you know, maybe the suggestions that are in the compendium are not as useful to you in this season of life. And maybe all you really need is is the text of the prayers and and so 
it's all in this one. That's great. And so just to be clear, so people understand. So we have the first one, the Catholic All Year Compendium, which is really about the feasting, the celebrating, kind of the fun traditions with the liturgical year and the feast days, the um, the feast days for the saints, the different Marian feast days throughout the church. And then this is, you know, all of the prayers that go with it, the prayer companion, the new book. So one thing I wanted to ask you was, is, in your opinion, one of these things, feasting and celebrating the feast days versus using the prayers and, and developing the rich prayer life on the feast days is one more important than the other. Can you even make that comparison? What do you think? Yeah, I think, I, I think it's a good, it, you know, it, it's a good question. And what I would say is that they really are interwoven because the point of feast days has always been catechism. That's the reason that they're instituted. Um, and actually in the, uh, in the section of the prayer companion on the Feast of Christ the King, there's a segment, uh, there's a section from an encyclical uh, by Pope Pius the Ninth, um, uh, where he explains that the reason that we institute feast days is because they, it instructs the laity on, um, in a much more effective way than just an encyclical would or, um, or, or just a letter. And, and so the point of these feast days is for us to learn about these lives of the saints and these important doctrines of the church. But then once we have learned about them, we understand how important they are. And then I think that that inspires us to want to spend more time in prayer and try different types of devotions, uh, spend more time with scripture, and, and then the liturgical year is also there to give us this framework mm -hmm. of prayer and different devotions that, that different saints um, were interested in, that different saints promoted. Uh, and, and so I really think that, that they sort of mesh together. For us, it was the celebrating the feast days that kind of came first um, in, in our baby steps. And that that was a good way for us to learn about why we would want to to have these prayers and devotions be part of our um, of our family culture, right? I like the fact that you you say that they really are interwoven because with the feast days, they there's also an issue um, an element of evangelization. So, for example, someone may not go to mass with you or pray with you, but they might come to an awesome St. Patrick's Day party at your house, and then maybe they'll be exposed to the faith, and also you know you'll be doing some of the prayers there, but that. Also, if you're used to the feasting and the celebrating, but you're not incorporating the prayer, then you're really missing the point in a sense. But they really do work so beautifully together. And I think that's really clear in these two books um, when they're used together. So thank you. Yeah, for that. I think so. And, yeah. and I also think that, you know, if you're only doing the prayers, I would say that, that you are missing out on on the fullness of uh, of the practice of the Catholic faith, because um, because, you know, especially after, after fasting comes feasting and, you know, right. before feasting comes fasting right. and they, uh, you know, those go together. So, uh, if you're only, you know, if you're only doing the fasting parts, then, uh, you know, then you're not experiencing and you're not presenting to your family, the fullness of the, of our 
for a beautiful Catholic faith. Absolutely. I love that. Um, and just for everyone who's um, watching here, if you have a question for Kendra, feel free to drop it in the comments and we'll try to work it in. Um, so I just want to dive right into kind of like the meat of this book. Um, in your intro, you began with the famous Father Peyton quote that we've all heard, hopefully, the family who prays together stays together. And that's very beautiful and very inspiring. But sometimes I know when you have especially a lot of little kids, it can feel a little intimidating, a little overwhelming sometimes. Um, how does the liturgical year and particularly the prayers in this book help families to do that, pray together and stay together? Yeah, I, I know for us, the, the, it, it is, it's so hard. We're all so busy and it is hard to, to make time for things. But it's important to remember that, you know, if our kids don't get this from, from us, they're not going to get it from anywhere. They're not going to get it from the world. Um, even the best schools are not, don't have the same influence on, on our kids as we do in, in our home life. And, and what we teach our kids um, through our words and through our actions, that's how we teach them what, you know, what our priorities are and what, and what we think that their priorities should be. Mm -hmm. um, but because we're so busy and because it's so hard to get to things, that's why I love the liturgical year as this, I keep calling it a framework. I'm probably going to say that five more times. Yes. Because <laughs> it really like, it gives me the, uh, that sort of deadline, the, 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 where, where maybe I can't make time to just generally pray more, but I can realize, oh, it's this day. We'll say this prayer on this day. Mm -hmm. And and because there's a deadline, because there's a specific day on which it usually happens, although you can move things around. <laughs> We've done that, too. <laughs> yes, but, uh, you know, so it gives it, it, it it's the inspiration that I need for it to become more than just a theory, more than just a goal and to actually happen. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we don't get to every prayer in the book every uh, um, every year. And uh, but you know, we do as much as we can, as much as we have time for. And if it's a difficult season, then something will get skipped. And the beautiful thing is it comes right around next year. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and there it is again. And the, and when we are getting to it year after year, the kids get to experience these discussions and these devotions uh, at, at different phases of their development and different ages and they can you know see what types of prayer seem most meaningful to them and and we can all and you know and the same goes for me we can see what we want to incorporate more regularly and what you know only is going to happen once a year for us right and and I love that you I love that you describe it as a framework because it's always there if you're in a season and you can't get to it it's not like oh, I have to start all over again. You just kind of dive right back into what's currently going on in the year. And that was one of the things that you that you touched on. Maybe I, I'm curious if you can maybe elaborate just a little bit more is what does it look like in your home normally? I, I know you have 10 kids, you've had babies, you've had, you know, toddlers running around. Um, what does it look like typically in your house? Like, do you try to do everything in the book or just like what you can? Do you have a goal like per month? How does that yeah, so there are uh, there are two different sections. You know, one is the big. You know, so this is the year section, and then these are this is like the day. So 
there is a section of prayers in here that we use, not all of, but um, but that are our daily and special occasion prayers. So things like a morning offering um, and things like, you know, prayers for a birthday or a name day, uh, prayers before meals, uh, blessings for children um, and, uh, you know, for, for illness, for death. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, um, and you know, and for different times of day. And so those, there is sort of, there, there's a framework for the day where we try to get to a morning offering and a guardian angel prayer. We try to get to an Angelus at noon. We try to do a family rosary and we try to do evening prayers. Mm-hmm. That's an ideal day. Does it happen every single day? No. Um, you know, and there's more things that, that uh, you know, that other families uh are, you know, that are, that are devotions that, that other families uh, find really meaningful and, and incorporate into their daily prayers. And then there's the calendar um, for, for the year. And so we choose feast days that, that are particularly meaningful to our family and to the church, um, the, you know, patron saints of, of our family members and just saints to which we have a devotion. And we want to honor those saints and learn about them and, you know, catechize our family and our neighbors and our friends um, through celebrating those saints days and through sort of exploring these, uh, these devotions. And then also, you know, in here, a lot of the feast days are based on historical events that we find in the Bible. And so you can read on that particular day about what happened. Um, And I think it's, I think it's great to, you know, we do, we get those readings in, um, in mass, but, um, but I think it's nice to associate, oh, you know, here's, here's what happened and here's the feast day. And then we can talk about it sort of more in depth. Yeah, that, so, no, that's wonderful. And in, in the first book, the Catholic All Year Compendium, you do give something that I found really helpful, which was like kind of like a guide to getting started, like what you typically start with and then suggestions about how to start slowly with those things, then maybe add things in. Um, But one thing that I want to point out about the prayer companion, which I think is really great if someone is just getting started, I mean, the compendium, the ideas there take a little bit of work. So like you have to menu plan or might have to plan some activities, but the prayer companion, you simply just pick this up and say the prayers. (laughs) I mean, so if you are just starting out and you're overwhelmed with the idea of having like a lot of feast days to celebrate, the, um, the prayer companion, you just do the prayers. So that's that's a great way for people to start out. Um, one thing I did want to address, because I know that you get this question a lot, is how to encourage a reluctant spouse. And I think that's one question um, that maybe you want to do this, but your, your spouse might be reluctant. And then what about reluctant kids? Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. So those, I think, are definitely different questions or well they have different solutions anyway um and i think that the most important thing to remember is that you know we we are not uh we are not in charge of our spouses um and and that we are all on different journeys we're on our own journeys and we will you know and we're we're going to travel along those journeys on our own schedule and so the holy spirit you know, works uh, in uh, in mysterious ways, and so 
as a child, I experienced you know, that, that my dad was not Catholic when I was growing up. And, um, you know, we were fortunate that he wasn't particularly hostile to the faith, uh, but it just wasn't something that he was a part of when I was growing up. And my mom focused on prayer and, uh, and, and an example and setting an example. And I think that, you know, for him and for us kids, that worked. And I know, you know, every family is going to be different, but, but that worked for us that we understood that this was a priority for my mom and she was going to bring us to mass and uh, present us for our sacraments. And there was not going to be any arguing about that, even though dad didn't have to participate in those things. Um, but she made friends with Catholic families and she just set an example herself of, uh, you know, of, of that her faith was important enough to her that she was willing to do it and share it with our kids with, you know, with her kids, um, even if my dad wasn't participating. And then when I was in college, seemingly out of the blue, but after, you know, 22, 25 years uh, of my mom praying for him, he just up and signed himself up for RCIA. And now, wow. um, <laughs> and, and now I can't, uh, it, it, I have to think back and realize, oh yeah, my dad wasn't Catholic when I was growing up because I really, feel like he always was. Mm. Um, and so even though that was so long, I can't imagine now as, as a wife and a mom, you know, to not have my spouse on the same page for, you know, my kids' entire childhoods. And yet, it, you know, it doesn't seem like that to me now. And, uh, you know, and he's an active participant in, in everything we do now. So I think that as far as the practical aspects that you just have to see, you know, what is my spouse going to be comfortable with? What, um, you know, how much can, he, you know, can he lead? How, um, how much is he willing to just let me do? Um, and, and then mostly just, you know, prayer and, and setting that good example and making sure that, you know, if it's your husband who isn't Catholic, do you have friends where the husband is Catholic and, you know, and vice versa, if, if, there are husbands watching whose, you know, wives are not Catholic, you, you know, do they know any other moms who are practicing Catholics? Because, you know, just if you don't see somebody living that life, it's hard to imagine how or why you would want to do it. Yes, yes, exactly. And I did want to say that, um, you know, this book, I, I love an intro, you do have some funny parts in it. Because um, <laughs> when you were addressing this topic, and you were talking about how you know, you just have to, you have to pray for your spouse. You have to respect where they are in their journey and, and still do what you can. And then you mentioned older children, maybe adult children or, or older teenagers. And, and you were like, it's the same principle with the reluctant spouse, only with more tears. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And so you know, for people that, that, that maybe they have these situations um, that there's hope and you can still do what you can. Um, but you know, you can't force people, but sometimes maybe just your, your prayers and your example go a long way, like with your father. Yeah, so. I think, I think that's true. And, you know, I think that I, I know families that are in the position of, you know, not converting or reverting until their kids are older. And that's a big challenge because mm -hmm. kids are not as malleable, um, as teenagers. That's, you know, how God makes them. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's hard, but I also think that that's not an insurmountable obstacle for the Holy Spirit and that mm -hmm. you pray for your kids, you, mm -hmm. and you set an example of faith. And the ideal is that they see 
that that being Catholic isn't something that makes you frustrated and combative. It's something that makes you patient and long suffering and, um, and, and, uh, you know, and a better, a better parent and a better spouse. Mm, That's, that's absolutely true. Um, I did want to speak about one other, ask you about one other um, thing from the introduction of this book. Um, You mentioned something called the apostolate of family dinner. Um, And I just absolutely love this. There's so much data and research out there just saying the importance of eating together as a family. Um, So I think that is something that's so powerful. How do you incorporate liturgical living into the the idea of the apostle of a family dinner? Yeah, I think that it's so, so important. And if there's, you know, if I can say anything to like put your foot down on say like this is what our family does, it's it's family dinners and and to sit down as a family without devices and without screens and, you know, practice those skills of table manners and <laughs> uh, conversation and, um, it, you know, and it, it's so important. And because we're already there, because we know that we're going to be spending time together as a family as often as possible at the dinner table, then a lot of our liturgical living can happen there. And some of it is um, meals that are associated with feast day that I, that I talk about um, in the compendium. And a lot of it is, is these prayers that this is since we're together at the at the table for dinner, that's when we mostly do the, you know, shorter prayers, or maybe we wait till after dinner for a litany so that we're not saying that with our mouths full. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but as far as reading a reading from the Bible, we'll go around and take turns, um, you know, reading parts of it. And, and so it's all something that can happen around the dinner table. And we can talk about, you know, why I made this meal and what the history is behind this feast day. And we can say the prayers. Um, and it, it all just sort of goes together. And, and in our family, you know, the kids are open to those conversations and they're open to learning why the church holds this person up uh, as an example for all of us or why the church thinks that this historical event is so important. And we can have those discussions about doctrine, which is sometimes really confusing. And mm-hmm. we can have those discussions about the example that the saints give us. And we can you know, pray those prayers that the church uh, has given us and has given us indulgences as an, as an incentive to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's like a, you know, it's like a training manual and they're saying, like, here's the best things you can do. Here's the most, you know, here's the way that you can most effectively, you know, prepare yourself for, uh, you know, to for the you know end goal of getting to heaven. You know, here's how you can grow in personal holiness. Try out these different devotions and see, um, you know, see what helps. And yeah. and so we try to to introduce those to the family, usually over meals um, and all throughout the year, kind of spread out bite-sized chunks. Right. And that's, it's such a natural and kind of like an organic way to introduce these things is through a meal, through a family dinner. You're all there already. You're already going to be talking. So to work those in, I love the way that, that you, uh, that you frame that as an apostolate in your family. And I just think that's really beautiful. And it's also something that it's very easy to invite other people over to share in that too. So um, I really like that from the intro. Um, 
Well, and one other thing related to that is that it's easy to think like, oh, I don't have this giant platform. I, you know, I'm not a movie star. I don't have, you know, Twitter followers who care what I say about things. But you do, you know, you do have family members who care what you think mm-hmm. about things. Mm-hmm. And and so that's why, you know, it really is that, that the people that God put closest to us, those are are the people that we can have the most lasting and important effect on. Absolutely. Um, so looking ahead to the month of June, we have just entered into ordinary time. Um, and June is an interesting month. There's some fun things um, to do in June. Um, I was wondering if you can kind of give us maybe just a peek into one thing that you have planned in June and how the prayer companion is going to help you with that. Yeah. All right. So I'll tell you about my favorite thing in June. But first, I want to point out that the that the prayer companion, in case you have it already or you're going to get it for June, it's broken up into liturgical seasons. So mm-hmm. the movable feasts are going to be in their own section. So there's a section on Pentecost and after Easter tide, and that's where you're going to find prayers for sacred heart and immaculate heart, which are coming up for Corpus Christi, which is this Sunday, the um, body and blood of Christ. Those are movable feasts. So those are going to be at the end of the Pentecost and after Easter section. And then there's a separate chapter for June. And that's where you'll find feasts that are always in June. And, my favorite, favorite thing in June is uh, the Nativity of St. John the Baptist. <laughs> That's um, so fun. <laughs> so fun. And I mean, I didn't, the, the so the tradition of lighting bonfires uh, on the eve, so the, eve, the night before the Nativity of St. John the Baptist is, I think, you know, one of the oldest liturgical living traditions that exists in the world. Uh, there's uh, records of it going back to, I'm trying to remember, like 150 uh, BC. It's pretty amazing. Um, but so there's prayers in here. Um, there, there's Bible reading, uh, you know, about uh, the nativity of St. John the Baptist. And there's a blessing of a bonfire that if you have a, a priest come over, he can uh, bless your bonfire or you can just say some prayers and have a bonfire. Um, and if you really want to be adventurous, you can eat locusts and honey. And <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if you get the Catholic all year, uh, subscription box, you would have them in your house right now and, That's and have to come up when it, with an excuse not to eat them because they're right there. Well, you know what? I'll have to order those next year. <laughs> um, well, that's that's great. And so, again, just going back to the difference between the compendium, the compendium would kind of have the ideas for how to celebrate the feast. But when you have the prayer companion, it's all all of the prayers that you would use and the blessing of the bonfire um, and, you know, the different novenas or different things that would, you would use on different feast days. It's all right in here. So all you have to do, like you said, it's in chronological order and by the liturgical season is you just have to find the day and do the prayers. It's so easy. It's so convenient. Um, So that's, I I think we're going to try that this year. We've never done the bonfire, but I think you've inspired me that um, in our house, we're going to step it up and do the bonfire this year because it sounds amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's really great. It's really fun. And, you know, if you, even if you can't get to a whole bonfire, there's the canticle of Zachariah, you can Mm -hmm. pray. Um, and there's the collect prayer for the day that you'd hear at mass. And then there's, you know, a reading from the gospel of St. Luke, uh, that, that I think, you know, it's really, it's a meaningful way to, to incorporate, you know, a family gathering 
or a neighborhood gathering, you, you know, and and also to you know a reminder of of what this feast day uh, commemorates. That's great. Um, well, that that sounds amazing. We're definitely going to be using this a lot in our family. Um, and I hope that everyone gets it and uses it because it's it's just so, like I said, so convenient, so helpful, so practical. And I did just I'm sh- holding up the book again. And I know we're almost out of time here, but just wanted to talk a little bit about how beautiful this cover is um, and the designer of the cover. Can you speak a little bit about her and maybe just very quickly about maybe one or two of the symbols, which you do discuss at the back of your book? Yeah, so just quickly, the the covers of the two books are both um, drawn by Trisha Duga of Providential Co. And she's an amazing artist and, and a great human being. And so lucky to have her in my life. Um, but the covers are, bo- are based on my kind of two favorite old school liturgical living in the home books. Uh, this one is based on the original cover of The Year in Our Children by Mary Reed Newland. And then this one is sort of a modernization of the first cover of um, the, Around the Year with the Von Trapp family by Marie Von Trapp. Um, so it's it's just a similar look. And then, yeah, it's just these little symbols that I think are so great and instructive Um, So it's got the Eucharist and the uh, Star of Bethlehem, an anchor, which is a symbol of hope, uh, the uh, Cairo, the uh, Trichotera, which is the symbol of the Trinity, the uh, Pelican in her piety, which I really love, and it's a symbol of the Eucharist, Uh, this little skull, which always confuses people, but it's uh, it's a symbol called Memento Mori that reminds us that one day we're going to die and we should live accordingly. And if you see it at the foot of the crucifix, it's a symbol of, uh, which is probably. Oh, oh well, that one doesn't have it. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it's a symbol of Adam and, and Jesus's triumph over death. Uh, and then this is the Jerusalem cross, which uh, there's a tattoo shop in Jerusalem that's been tattooing pilgrims with this for like a thousand years. Uh, and then Alpha and Omega. And then this is Manus Day, which is a symbol of like God's influence on events uh, in the, in the, you know, in our lives. That's beautiful. I love the symbolism, the history of the cover art. And I did also want to let everybody know that we are doing a giveaway today in honor of the release of your book. We're going to be giving away a copy of The Prayer Companion, along with one of Trisha's beautiful hand-poured candles. And I hope that everyone also checks out Trisha's shop, Providential Co., and um, follows her and takes a look at her beautiful artwork. Um, so head on over to our Facebook page or Instagram page on the main feed, and you can enter the giveaway there. Um, and also the book, The Catholic All Year Prayer Companion, and The Compendium, both books are available now on our website, ignatius.com, so you can check them out. Um, you're probably going to be seeing more of Kendra in the next month or two promoting her book, and I hope that um, everybody checks it out and tell your friends about it, because I think this is an amazing resource for families. Um, so Kendra, thank you so, so much for joining us today. And um, we're just really excited to see what else you have to do in the future. I know you always have your hands full with a lot of projects. <laughs> so we're just glad that you joined us and um, hopefully we'll see you on here real soon again. Yeah, thanks so much. This podcast has been brought to you by Ignatius Press. 
We encourage you to check out our books and videos at your local Catholic bookstore or wherever else books and videos are sold. You can also sign up to receive special discounts on books and videos at ignatius.com. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please like the podcast on the website or app from which you listen to it. And please tell your friends about it. I'm Mark Brumley, and on behalf of everyone at Ignatius Press, thanks for listening.